Hey everybody, we are back with a new startup interview. Get inspired and motivated with Startup Radio Germany. Hello and welcome everybody to our first English interview with Startup Radio DE. Today I have a guest who is currently uh, involved in a startup business, Anthony. You'd like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Anthony. My surname is Xiao. It's a, it's a sort of Chinese surname. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Productive Mobile, um, formerly known as Evomob. We'll talk about that later throughout the, the podcast, I think. <laughs> I'm originally from Berlin. I studied electronic engineering in London. I'm 30 years old. That is pretty nice. So you were kind of formally known as evomob could you could you elaborate a little bit on that what evomob did and what you're now doing so we started evomob just over a year ago in fact we we've been working on the idea much longer than that uh, when we had our first um sort of software development company in india the idea was now that smartphones and tablets are sort of becoming more and more predominant amongst users Therefore, the entire World Wide Web needs to adapt to smartphones and tablets. So we were thinking, who online needs to adapt to smartphones and tablets the most? And we arrived at the conclusion that online shops, really, you know, they, they for them, it's the most urgent. Those businesses that make money online, for them, it's the most urgent to actually go mobile. And so we developed a technology platform and we launched it under the, the brand or under the banner of uh, EvoMob, which stands for Evolving Mobile. To retroactively mobilize, that, that means optimize for the mobile web, any online shop, transactional system, booking system, flight booking system, and, and so forth. Smartphone users could access the systems or those websites uh, on the go in an optimized manner. Now, the, the challenges that um, such companies, such as online shops or travel booking companies and so forth, typically face is that, or any, any company for that matter that wants to mobilize, is that you have an, a running system, an existing system, and suddenly you have to figure out a way to make that running system mobile. What we developed was a, a tool to sort of retroactively bolt on a mobile version um, to do it in a very performant way. It you know, gets rid of, uh, you know, it doesn't require any data duplication. It would just, you know, it would sort of magically just make whatever was there at the moment mobile using some scripts that we were creating and using our tool. So this is what, what we started off with with EvoMob. Um, we started sort of 2013, at the beginning of 2013 is when we all um, moved to Berlin and or relocated back to Berlin and sort of focused on this full time. We won several startup competitions, including one in Italy called Startup Initiative by Intesa San Paolo, which is one of like, it's the Deutsche Bank of, of Italy, so to speak. It's one of the biggest banks. We won IBM Smart Camp, uh, the People's Award. People's Choice Award in Berlin. We, we we one of the winners at uh, the European Venture Summit in Düsseldorf at end of last year. So we've um, you know the concept and the technology, if you want, had been very acclaimed, and we also had a good um, set of initial customers, initial paying customers, including some of the largest fashion brands of Germany. We one of the biggest online shops in Italy. Full stop. You know, one of the leading online shops of Italy. Uh, and amongst a couple of smaller and medium-sized ones as well. We had fairly good traction, and then we got into this Microsoft Ventures Accelerator in Berlin. That was in November uh, 2013. You are of Chinese descendant from Berlin, studied in London. And how did you get a software company in India? 
<laughs> so uh, we're very international. <laughs> I truly, fundamentally believe in in the flat world. And uh, when I when I studied or when I when I finished my studies in London, I didn't have much money. London was very expensive. Um, I had you know some savings from some of the work I did at you know several internships. So together with my then co-founder, who, who's a different, uh, he's not, it's not the same guy I'm doing even more with, decided to go to a place which would be cheaper, um, nicer to live than London, and which would allow us to just work on our idea. And originally we wanted to go to Thailand, sit on the beach and program. Uh, but since I studied in, in London, we had a lot of Indian friends. They said, dude, you know, go to India. That's like the software house of the world. And so we, we looked at a couple of cities. And we looked at Mumbai, Bangalore, Pune, Delhi, and so forth. And we decided, you know, we, we had a couple of criteria. We wanted to go to sort of a tech city. We wanted to go to a young city. At the same time, we didn't want to go to a mega city that is just overwhelmingly large. And uh, through, you know, I, I guess uh, recommendations and a bit of research, we ended up in Pune. In fact, one of my best friends, he said, go to Pune because the girls are the nicest there. No. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, if you, if you would now do kind of a recommendation to everybody who's in a kind of similar position, let's say some people who randomly found each other somewhere in the world who are now listening to this podcast, what is, what is kind of the tools, the research you use to, to, to find the place you, you want to set up your company? Because I do think there went a fair amount of research, a fair amount of data digging into all of th that, right? I would like to say yes, <laughs> but the truth is that, um, okay, we obviously did several searches on Google. We looked at, you know, India, India startup, India IT, India tech city, and we found all kinds of blog articles and different people's opinions, really, about different cities. On top of that, there are obviously these official studies such as, uh, you know, Mercer has this, like, uh, quality of life index, uh, you know, the United Nations has different sort of city pollution um, uh, indices and uh, every 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 other month I think some tech journal is sort of saying where are the next emerging startup hubs so like just digesting all of that thing is the doing business in it's a it's a annual study yeah. by the World Bank and they, they uh, that's the one, yeah. survey right. 190 to 200 nations yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, we didn't survey that one because had we found it, we would have noticed that India was like in the bottom 20% of, of countries to, to do business in. No, at the end of the day, you know, we were young, we were 20, 24, 25, together with some, some recommendations of some friends that we, that we trusted and, and a bit of sort of elimination, we, we just ended up with, uh, with choosing Pune, which is a city not far away from Mumbai. Um, it's very famous amongst the hippies for like their the ashram and like the meditation culture but it's actually a tech hub and it's it's like a university city so we ended up there we literally just flew there with our backpacks and um and a bit of money and our laptops and uh yeah we, we set up there we lived in a hotel for like two weeks found an apartment rented the apartment and some friends and and ultimately decided to stay there and like we stayed there for 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 just over four years in fact uh, we set up a, a a company an it company and grew that to grew that to just over so just under sixty people, in, in about three and a half to four years, so it was a pretty exciting time, um, and that's also that company that I mentioned at the beginning where we uh, we had been sort of toying with this idea of mobile mobile web, and um, we realized that we you know that we needed to focus on this product and and create a separate entity and that's how Evomob 
Um, so basically, I see a very interesting story of a guy who goes with another guy with a backpack to a city they know from some Google searches and setting up a company there. Is this kind of the red line of the story till now? Essentially, that is basically it. Yeah, we were um, just that people changed in the meantime a little bit, but but yeah. <laughs> Crazy guys, nothing to lose, uh, adventurous setup companies all over the world. <laughs> and then we moved back to Berlin. That's in 2013. What was the reason for that? Um, to move back to Berlin? Yes. So there were um, three reasons, I guess. First reason, reason was that I, I started to have some visa issues, but um, I, I don't want to get into this because it's a very long story. Um, Secondly, we, I mean, we had spent four years of our lives there and it was time to sort of move back to Europe. Um, and, um, you know, we were all Europeans, right? So it was sort of, uh, it was time to just come back home. And um, the third reason was that since we were focusing on EvoMob, which was one product, and we managed to sell our, uh, our software business over there, um, it made sense to just relocate back, and in this case, relocate back to Berlin, uh, which had a very good, um, I, sh I should say, you know, which was becoming an emergent startup hub. And since I'm from Berlin, it made, it made a lot of sense to just move back to Berlin, experience that startup hub and focus on even more full time. Would you say right now that Berlin is a full-fledged startup hub or is it still emerging? It's, uh, I, I guess it depends on everyone's definition of startup hub. I would definitely say it's emerging in the sense that we're still, you know, we are not established, right? We're still an underdog. We're still small. We're very small, in fact, and we're still very young or very immature. You know, everyone is, is still learning pretty much, or there's very few, you know, second or third time entrepreneurs in this, um, at least in the internet tech scene. At the same time, it is a hub in the sense that it attracts people. So certainly within Europe, it is, I would say, the number one or maybe number two destination. So anyone who's thinking of doing internet startups or tech startups, as a matter of fact, would definitely be thinking about Berlin. So in that sense, it's 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 there on the map. It's obviously not yet. Um, I mean, it's obviously still nascent, right? I mean, I think it's been like three years that Berlin has really been sort of uh, you know, starting to develop into this direction. So you know, give another 20 years, and I'm pretty sure that we will look back at this very podcast, at <laughs> this very interview, and say, you know, this was these were the days when when the, when the when the ecosystem was forming. Okay. And so you ended up back in Berlin to focus on EvoMob, and then you decided to take this accelerator program. What what actually uh, made you choose an accelerator program instead of just renting an office and try to hit the market? An accelerator program in general is sort of a little bit like like an MBA. I mean, no one really needs an MBA, but you do it because it's sort of like a separate thing. You you know you you have some other startups or some other classmates, so to speak, to to go through the experience with. And there's a definite end where you sort of you know you, it gives you a focus. At the same time, there's a third party, which is normally a company or the accelerator network that really cares about what you do, and it helps you focus and it helps you um, it literally normally helps you accelerate. Um, so for us, we were, um, I'd say we were um, having some early successes, and we just really wanted to to know whether whether other people thought what we were doing is as good as what we thought we were doing. And so, uh, conveniently, Microsoft um, uh, decided <laughs> just to create this accelerator program in Berlin. It's by, by the way, it's you know they have programs all over the world in London, Paris, and Bangalore, and, and 
Rio and I don't know in uh, I think in Seattle as well uh, in Tel Aviv. So so they, they set up this program in Berlin, and for us it made a lot of sense since a we knew at the time already that um, that our technology could be used not only for online shops and booking systems, but also for sort of business applications or enterprise applications. So we had this feeling that maybe the Microsoft Accelerator could be one that fits us very well. Secondly, we were naturally a B2B company, right, because we were creating a tool that would uh, that would be used by, by other companies. And we thought B2B, Microsoft, you know, there's probably no more successful, Microsoft is one of the most successful B2B companies out there. And... Um, Finally, that program was actually very, um, very, very interesting, or I should say, different to many other accelerator programs. They give you no money and they take no equity, so it's very sort of hands-off uh, in terms of uh, involvement. Sorry, very hands-off in terms of sort of uh, you know getting getting involved in the company and the legal entity. But at the same time, they are very hands-on to actually help the startup on the ground with literally with the resources that Microsoft has. That's from you know, if you need software to develop on, or if you need, uh, you know, free servers, or if you need to speak to some sales expert, the, you know, they will just call up someone within the network. If you need to speak to some specific technology expert, they will call up someone within the network. So, um, you know, as a company, Microsoft is a very good um, resource to, to have at your disposal if you're a small startup. So for us, it made a lot of sense to, to apply to Microsoft. What is it actually you you right now about halfway through? The program, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we just more... we just over halfway through. Uh, yes. Well, in fact, I mean, now we are sort of three quarters of the way through. Um, okay. We have another month, out of four months. Okay, so it's exactly th uh, three quarters. And what would you say was the most beneficial, and how how does it actually feel to be in there? Because I would assume it's. It's already set up, but it has kind of uh, the feeling of a of a beta test because you're the first <laughs> class there. They already yeah. kind of know what they're doing, but they're still new in Berlin, so they they might have to adapt a little bit there. Sure, sure. Let me let me address the first question first, which is how does it feel to be part of an accelerator in general, and then I'll speak a little bit about this um, this Microsoft one. So in general, for me, there's a very clear answer to this, which is that you're in a class or let's say in a batch, in a cohort with a handful of other startups. And in our case, there's nine, um, nine startups in total that are all sort of part of a, of a similar program. You start at the same time, you will finish at the same time. You're all in different places, but you're all going through this experience together. And most importantly, you have someone to, to talk to you or to, to really do or to care about what you do every week. And this is, uh, in this case, uh, the, the folks from Microsoft. So there's a so-called CEO in residence, and there's a so-called CTO in residence, and they're sort of, you know, like internal Microsoft guys that are um, that are full-time working on this accelerator, and then they're sort of our go-to people, so to speak. And to just have a sparing partner like that, which who has experience in technology, who has experience in startups, who has experience in, in growing companies or in like uh, venture funding and so forth, is incredibly valuable. You can think of it as like a like a mentor program without without them being a classical mentor that you sort of you know that you maybe find through your workplace or that you find through through other means but um, you know someone who's just there for you um, and who cares who gives honest feedback because they have no you know interest to give you a false feedback or to push you in one direction or another i think that is definitely the most the single most um, defining experience of this accelerator in addition to 
um, them being able to just pull whatever resources you may need, um, you know, to help you. Obviously, there are certain limits, right? You cannot get, <laughs> you cannot get everything. Or, you know, you can't say, "Oh, Microsoft is a big company, so I want to have a first-class flight to Las Vegas." <laughs> That's obviously not the case. But um, but but on the whole, like when when we when we have questions, when we need advice, or when we need resources, when we need to talk to certain people. They will open doors, and that's sort of probably true for all accelerators. I obviously cannot speak for the accelerators that are out there, but um, but I would assume that's the same for most accelerators. Now, uh, so so that's that's the you know that's the, the, the general part. Now we were obviously the first batch um, of this accelerator program here in Berlin, uh, even though they've had multiple programs all over the world. Um, it was certainly. Um, you know, there were a couple of, in Germany we would say Kinderkrankheiten, there were certainly a couple of, of sort of uh, things that weren't um, fully worked out yet. I mean, when we when we moved in, the, uh, the office was great, but uh, but I, I think there's a shortage of meeting rooms. Um, I think the next batch they will, they will have a slightly smaller number of startups. Um, the team itself, uh, uh, while very experienced, they're obviously working together on it for the first time as well. But... Um, on the whole, I don't think that's that's a real issue. I mean, at the end of the day, they are a startup, we are a startup, there are other startups. It's sort of, it's sort of, it's it's perfectly fine. I mean, you wouldn't expect uh, like a corporate, or rather, I would not want to go into a sort of a perfectly working corporate environment whereby you know where you just go in and you're like, uh, you know, being assimilated into this corporate uh, <laughs> environment where everything is is perfect. I mean, things are running very well, and I would say I'm very very happy about the accelerator. Um, Sometimes they, uh, you know, when they cannot help with certain things, then they will they will tell us so. You know, they will. <laughs> there was a funny time in it was in November or December when uh, so so we have this weekly stand up meeting whereby every startup just gives updates about what they've done in the past week and what they're planning for next week um, publicly uh, within the accelerator. And there was one time when we all uh, decided to team up. And to try to get an Xbox, <laughs> so there was a standard meeting when literally everyone is saying, "Okay, last week we did this, and the next week we're trying to do this." But there's one big blocker that that we have, and that is like we really, we really need to get an Xbox. <laughs> and then like the next startup would say, "Yeah, you know, this is what we did last week, and like next week we are planning to do that." But like currently the morale is very low, and I think if we had an Xbox, you know, the morale would, would be would be coming back. <laughs> and we we did this like nine startups one after another, and like everyone tried to sort of say it in a different way and the guys from Microsoft were like, oh, what, what is the issue? What is it? Can we help? And, we, and they're like, yeah, it's an Xbox. And they're like, ah, oh, come on, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Well, well, the important question is, did you eventually get the Xbox? So, unfortunately, A, we didn't get the Xbox and oh. B, this was, pre, this was pre-Christmas and um, it was sold out everywhere to the extent that not even Microsoft Germany was able to get Xboxes. I think there was only Zaton, which was sort of uh, which kept some Xboxes that didn't sell, sell them until until they were sold out like three days before Christmas, and then they sold them at a higher price or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but that's an entirely different story. So in that sense, you know, they're obviously, you know, the accelerator, the you know, they're what you call it. Um, they do what they can. They obviously have limits as well, right? We can't. Well, have you heard about any accelerator program of Microsoft abroad in London, Paris, wherever, where they do have an Xbox? <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I should follow up on that because I am unaware of it. I do know that, 
you know, like we're in touch with the guys from Tel Aviv and from Bangalore a lot. And uh, to my not, I've not yet heard that everyone is playing Xbox. Interestingly, I know that the Google office in Berlin has has an Xbox. <laughs> now I don't know what that means, but yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, when we exchanged emails back and forth, back and forth, uh, we we kind of uh, touched the point uh, that might also be. Uh, Uh, in the very interest of the people currently listening to this podcast is so basically the accelerator program made you think and made you rethink the idea of Evomob, right? Yeah. So um, now, obviously, we were thinking all the way through. <laughs> It wasn't the accelerator program that made us think. But with, with the feedback that we got from the guys, with the access that Microsoft was able to give us to, in this case, um, uh, enterprise software or like some of the understanding they were able to share with us um, we have decided to or we decided back in December or just before Chris I can't remember December January to um, to um, to pause the sort of continuous development on even more to take four weeks to just explore this space of enterprise mobility in a bit more uh, detail Uh, we, uh, and so we, we spoke to lots of, um, over, I think, over 40 customers or subject matter experts um, in this uh, general industry. Okay, let me, let me just briefly explain what I mean by enterprise mobility. Basically, just like um, in Evomore, we've been trying to convert online shops to become mobile shops. Um, there is a similar need within companies where um, everyone, every, every employee of the company is, is going to have a smartphone sooner or later. Let's say in the next two years, pretty much, that's, gonna, that's, 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 that's what's going to happen. Now, the unfortunate thing is that all these employees cannot use their smartphones to access the company systems, either because they're just not compatible, because they're not secure, the policy doesn't allow it, or you know, most of the time the systems are just not mobile optimized. <laughs> okay, so it's a big dilemma. Um, and the alternatives that, cost, uh, that companies have to enable their systems um, for, for like smartphones is to spend... Loads of money, months or years, to build separate systems, uh, mobile apps. Sorry, to uh, to allow the employees to maybe you know access the, the company internal data, like the intranet, or maybe the you know customer data, or to to purchase to you know to file a purchase request, or to to approve certain uh, I don't know uh, workflows. So, so is it basically? It's it's not the access to the corporate email. It it's more like. Um, The enterprise resource program, uh, yeah, EPR right. software, just like SAP and every everything else that is out there, kind of access to those programs. Absolutely. I mean, the use cases obviously vary greatly from industry and, 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 and to vertical. But we're basically talking about sales guys need to be able to access their customer data and, and sales resources such as the CRM from, from on the go. Uh, every employee may want to, you know, check meeting room availability, file expenses, apply for leaves, and so forth. Um, HR may want to access a certain HR. You know, normally most uh, big companies have sort of internal HR help desk and so forth. That should be done. Uh, that that should be accessible for a while on the go. ERP, as you mentioned earlier, uh, reports, dashboards, um, field engineers or field uh, staff, you know, such as such as technicians, they should be able to like make purchase requests while on the go, order spare parts. Um, anyone facing the customer should be able to sort of uh, either give, uh, for example, if you're working in logistics, should be able to um, give uh, stock level updates. You should be able to file a new order there and then. I mean, everything that people use paper for today or that people use a laptop for today, 
tomorrow they should be able to do from their smartphone. And that is currently not the case. And it's a huge problem for, for, for um, IT departments and for enterprises to actually make that step. So um, with the encouragement, I should say, from Microsoft, we, we, we took the decision to just explore this space more deeply. We built a prototype. We talked to several customers and, um, and, and, and industry experts in this field uh, to understand the different pain points. And we have um, received such overwhelmingly positive feedback about what we were uh, proposing, which is just like what we were doing at Evomob, which is to retroactively bring a system that is existing uh, uh, to optimize it for smartphones without having to write any code, without to change any of this existing system in a secure and fast manner. This is really game-changing for this industry. You know, we, we showed it to the guys at Microsoft internally and they were blown away or they really liked it. And uh, we've actually decided to rebrand and relaunch as a separate entity, as a separate new entity called Productive Mobile. So what we do is, you know, we will, Productive Mobile is the platform to convert enterprise applications to mobile in minutes. And it literally takes minutes and not weeks and not years or months. It takes minutes. I'm very pleased about that. Uh, we just sort of, uh, we just finished the process of rebranding and relaunching and everything. Evomob as a company will continue actually since, uh, you know, we are, we are a pretty large founding team. One of our, um, one of our founders will continue to work on Evomob while, while me and uh, another well, one of my co-founders will focus on productive. And uh, so in that sense, we, we found a solution whereby we can explore this enterprise space and the commerce space without, uh, you know, this is like a pivot without having to uh, give up what you were doing earlier, <laughs> since it was working. <laughs> so, um, so we're very happy about that. I see. So basically, Microsoft started its program with nine startups, and they'll end up with 10. <laughs> That's a very interesting uh, way of looking at it. I would say no. I would say they would still end up with nine, even though technically they're, they're 10 companies, but... Um, at the end of the, the program, we have this demo day pitching event and there'll only be nine companies pitching. Oh, I see. Because usually you would expect it exactly the other way around. Which way around? So you start with 10, you end up with nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess in this case, it's, uh, it's slightly different. But I mean, whatever we do, we always find surprises and we bring surprise to other people. So, uh, so in this case, yeah, if we can <laughs> do the, the unconventional way. A consultant tried to be as analytic as I can. Could you yeah. elaborate a little bit on what tools, uh, what, what decision assistances you actually had from going from Evomob to Productive Mobile? We're doing Evomob. We had customers, we had a platform, we had, well, obviously we had a, uh, a product roadmap as well. The product was still under development or was under continuous development. We had paying customers. We, we, we sort of knew where the market was going and we, you know, we got feedback from our customers. We, we knew that it was working. We knew that there was a need. So anyone sane would say it's, 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 it's you know, stupid to, to do anything else, right? You, you, know, you just need to focus on that and continue. On the other side, we knew that um, we wanted to explore this enterprise space um, ever since we you know, started talking, thinking about even more because we knew it was going to work. It's just that we decided that sort of now or never, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had these moments, but like now we at Microsoft, now we at the accelerator, and now we have access to all those enterprise resources. We can talk to CIOs, we can, we can study the existing systems that in this case Microsoft has or SAP has and so forth. Like if we don't do this now, I think we will never do this. Or I think we will regret not doing this now. That was sort of the, 
the, the main trigger. And then we said, okay, look, can we take, was it two weeks, four weeks of time to just focus on, on learning more about this market, learning more about this enterprise mobility market. And, um, and that's what we did. Um, and, you know, that was, that was literally it. <laughs> okay, I was, see. So first, I would is... totally agree with you because what, the motto of my life is in life, you usually regret most of the time things you did not did. do, right? Sorry. Because yeah. if you do something stupid a few years down the road, you laugh about it's, it. It's, it's at least worth a joke, right? Correct. As long as you don't lose a part of your body or something. Correct. Yeah. But that would qualify as really, really stupid, okay? <laughs> and uh, secondly, I kind of, um, it was more or less a market-derived strategy, a market need. You you saw th something that really needed to be done. You also saw your capabilities and you saw a match there. Absolutely. So opportunity... Uh... Opportunity comes, you know, in Germany we say, you must and Like opportunity is there abundantly every day. And you just have to decide whether or not you want to explore it. And at that point in time, we had decided that it was the right sort of fit to, to, to explore this particular opportunity. Despite the fact that we could have just continued on whatever we were doing before, which was working. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, just, we just felt the need to, uh, to explore it. Okay, and, I see. Uh, and and would you say the role Microsoft played there for you as a kind of door opener, as a kind of conversation partner, to be essential? Could you have done it without them? Um, do we have the capabilities to do it without them? Yes. Would we have done it without being part of the program? I don't think so. Because sometimes decisions require a certain momentum, or let's say sometimes decisions require a certain amount of um um, sort of external uh, input, okay? Uh, it's very easy to just keep doing what you're doing, right? But if, if there's sort of this external disturbance or this external you know, input into, into your daily routine, then you're more likely to consider um, things that you that would normally have sort of, uh, that normally you know, may, may just have uh, disappeared in, in, in the daily routine. So I definitely think that it was, um, um, how do you say that? I mean, my Microsoft was definitely pivotal in the fact that they were there, that they gave us encouragement to explore the space, and um, and that uh, you know that it was Microsoft. I mean, had it been some commerce, had it been Amazon, we probably wouldn't have done it because like we would have done commerce. But since it was Microsoft, and you know, we were talking about enterprise IT uh, applications, um, I, I think that was that was uh, pivotal, definitely. Okay. Um... If you just kind of to wrap our interview up, because we thought we would talk about maximum 30 minutes. We're now almost at 45 to oh, right. kind of wrap this uh, interview up. Sure. Um, what would you say someone who's currently out there and he, who wants to be an entrepreneur? Maybe he has a business idea. Maybe he doesn't have. Is, is there anything you would think you would feel you'd say is essential to kind of give them for the way uh, absolutely I think uh, there are a couple of things that uh, uh, I mean for, for me I, I started my first company right after university so I'm, I'm sort of an entrepreneur all my life all my professional life I should say um, the first thing is the most important thing is to actually go out and do it 
Okay, like it's it's all great to talk about having ideas. It's all it's, it's all great to have ideas, but it's all worthless unless you actually go out there and and do it. And what does it actually mean? And that means that you sit and and either create a product or that you speak to customers or that you get customers or that you get suppliers, depending on, on you know on the idea that you have, and actually try it out. Um, that is the the single most essential um, piece of the, piece of advice that any entrepreneur. Uh, or any, any aspiring entrepreneur should um, should follow. I think, like like we know like, that as just you want to do, do something, it. just just actually do it. You know, just okay. do it. It's so it's easily it's easier said than done. But and this this is where my second uh, advice would come to is realistically in our world that we live in today, the only way to actually go out and do it is if you either a have some sort of income that allows you to do it, such as a scholarship. Um, such as you, maybe you have uh, you know you receive money from from your parents, or maybe you receive money from from you know I don't know from whatever side business you may have had before, right? So either you have yeah, so so you need to have some sort of stable income to actually allow you to buy you this time to actually explore. Because as we all know, your first idea most likely is not going to work, and most likely it's not going to work in the way that you uh, thought it was going to work. So uh, so what you need is time, and the only way to buy yourself time is if you have some sort of income that is that is sufficient to get you know to, to get going and secondly obviously you need to be able to um, you know you need to be in this position to actually take those risks i mean for me i'm i'm i mean this is my fifth year in entrepreneurship i'm 30 years old i started when i was 25 i have no responsibility i have no family i have no children that i need to feed i have no you know college tuition debt that i need to repay so it is very important that you're actually in this position to to take those risks um, because a lot of people say, you know what, I'm, I'll take a job now, earn a bit of money, and then and then I'll do it later. But once they do that, they actually start building up, um, um, I, I mean, not liabilities, but they, they build up things that they need to maintain and that they need to sustain from a nice apartment or maybe a mortgage or maybe, you know, their lifestyle or maybe even, uh, you know, maybe they get... I mean, uh, I, I wish everyone good luck, but <laughs> maybe they get married and have children and suddenly they, they find themselves in a situation whereby they cannot as easily just quit everything and, um, uh, you know, and then sort of chase some sort of wacky idea that they may have. So I think this is very important to keep in mind. And a lot of people always ask me, like, what is the, like, would you do it again? What is the best time to start your own company? And, and the answer is there is no best time, right? It's just like, when, what's the best time to fall in love? There is no best time. You just have to go out and do it. In this case, uh, starting a company, um, and uh, and 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 try to make sure that you have as long a burn rate, as a run rate as possible, so that you can actually iterate and try out different things and and learn from mistakes and you know and recover and so forth. And this is only possible if you either have you know low responsibility or if you have some sort of income source. Okay, great. Very Thank very, you very practical much. there. <laughs> Thank you very much, Shishini. It was really great to have you here. I did not have to say a lot, but that's usually a good thing. I hope okay. our our listeners will still like the interview, even though we have some problems with the connection and the sound quality. But it was great having you here. Really appreciate that and great interview. Thank you very much. Thank you so much as well.